Hello, everybody. Before we start today's episode, I am so excited to announce that we officially have a new sponsor of Simply Finance with Shane White, and that is Routine. Um, I actually had one of the founders of Routine on the podcast as one of my early on founder series episodes uh, back in 2020. And um, they are now officially the sponsor of Simply Finance with Shane White. So, so excited to announce them to all of you. Uh, Routine was founded by a husband and wife with one simple goal, establish healthy routines for healthy lifestyles. The founders tried a lot of hydration and wellness supplements and found that most are full of sugar, synthetic ingredients, and were also made overseas in uncontrolled environments and didn't accomplish what they claimed to do. Instead of, in running in, sorry, instead of reinventing the wheel, uh, Routine looked to time-tested natural ingredients that generations of parents have trusted. They focused on creating products that keep those natural ingredients whole but make them more convenient for our modern, busy lives. Their newest product is called Mo- Morning Routine. Um, just so you know, when we sleep, we lose around a pound to a pound and a half of water, expelling vapors, sweat, etc., each packet of morning routine, which they come in a single serve packet, little tear away packet you dump in water. Each packet contains half an organic lemon, one tablespoon of apple cider vinegar, and Himalayan sea salt. This combination has all six essential electrolytes and most importantly, no sugar. As I mentioned, it's just a one uh, serving tear packet that you dump in around 20 ounces of water. Um, they suggest you start your day with this. That's why it's called morning routine. And as always, routine is made up of trusted ingredients made convenient. The link to routine is in the show notes. If you want to just go and find that, click, and it'll take you to their website. Or you can go to yourroutine.com. And as an offer from routine to all of my listeners, if you'd like to get 30%, which is a huge discount to start off, 30% off your first order at yourroutine.com. Or again, link in the show notes. At checkout, use code ShaneWhite30 to get 30% off. All right, everybody. Hope you guys check out Routine. Um, you know, as you all know, I normally always share with you guys brands, um, products that I'm passionate about. Um, you know, I've talked about Robinhood, talked about Whoop in the past, and Routine is no different. Um, I do believe in what they're building. I love their products. Uh, morning Routine um, has been something that I've been taking and have seen great results. I honestly just feel more energized. Um, I feel more hydrated, if that makes sense. Like I really do. Um, and so I think you guys will love the product. And as always, like I said, um, if you use Shane White 30, you can get 30% off your first order. So it's a great way to try out the product and see if it's something that you can enjoy. All right, everybody. The next episode is up right after this. Hello, everybody. Before we jump in today, just wanted to give a brief intro to Bridget Connolly, the CEO and co-founder of Luna Bay Booch, who is the guest on today's podcast. Um, If any of you have been listening to this podcast, especially the founder series, you know that I've been talking to a lot of founders that are in really the better for you food space. Uh, Bridget, is one of the few people that I've gotten to know and had on the podcast that uh, is in the alcohol industry. And Luna Bay Booch is a Chicago-based, women-owned, women-led, hard kombucha company. 
and it was really fun. Honestly, you guys will love the episode. Uh, one of the major takeaways for me before we got on as I was doing research, uh, you know, and actually trying the product for the first time is, is that I always look for better for you in the food aisle. Uh, but I've come to, uh, just expect, you know, regular run of the mill alcohol and talking to Bridget and learning more about the brand in this episode. It actually opened my eyes to a whole new, you know, world that's out there, popularized on the West Coast, and Bridget and team trying to bring it here to the Midwest in Chicago. Uh, but just how to make alcohol, you know, have a little more added benefits than we're used to seeing. So, hope you guys love today's episode. Bridget is an awesome founder, and I was pumped to have her on the podcast. So, without further ado, Bridget Connolly of Luna Bay Booch. All right, everybody. Well, we're live with another episode of Simply Finance with Shane White. I am pumped today to have Bridget Connolly on the podcast, the co-founder and CEO of Luna Bay Booch Company. So Bridget, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate taking the time. Do you mind giving everyone a little, just a little background of yourself? And then I think it'd be also be cool to give you a little like elevator pitch on just like what the brand is. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Luna Bay Hard Kombucha is um, our company and uh, we're founded in Chicago, Illinois. And uh, it's a hard kombucha, 6% alcohol, and it's gluten-free, vegan, low sugar. Um, We started in Chicago. We started brewing in Chicago and now we've expanded within the last year into 11 states and we'll be adding more states this year. Um, And we have eight core flavors now. Oh, awesome. Okay. And what, uh, I always like to kind of start it off, like, what was the inspiration behind getting into this? Like, was this something yeah. you grew up like liking kombucha? Was, I mean, did, where, where's like yeah. the beginning of this whole story? Grew up like drinking. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, here you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. um, no. So, um, you know, I've always been like kind of worked in the health and wellness space throughout my life. And I worked with Lululemon for quite a long time okay. and, both in Chicago and then in California and then in Australia. Um, And, you know, when I was in Australia, I really started seeing like the market for health conscious drinks and, you know, people also like to have fun. Um, And so, you know, when I moved back from there a couple of years ago and moved to San Diego, um, I saw kind of the market for hard kombucha take off. And I just thought about how in Chicago, this would do really well. Um, I think Sometimes Chicago gets a kind of stereotype of it's just like deep dish pizza and, yeah. you know, and that's all people do there is just like eat and drink. And it's, um, I think people don't really know of how health conscious it is and, you know, the 606 and running on the lakefront and, you know, especially with working with Lululemon for so long, um, I knew what a great um, health community there was there. So um, I knew that I wanted to take back uh, this uh, concept that was uh, booming in California back to um, Chicago. So that's kind of what inspired me. And then, um, yeah, we launched uh, with another woman, Claire Ridge, who is in Chicago as well. And um, it kind of just took off from there. Got it. Okay. So you were living in California, saw uh, uh, basically a, a direction that this was going. And then what did you actually like move back to Chicago to get this started or? How did you would have work? thought I like I was so set on um you know living by the water and like the sunshine but um so I flew back like every 
couple weeks. I'd say every okay. two weeks for the first year. Um, luckily, my parents lived there. So and my brothers, they would take me. My great friends, you know, I probably slept in a thousand beds that year. Oh, but that's funny, yeah. yeah, so um, but yeah, no, that's why. And I just saw the niche for it. And I saw how quickly it was taking off out in California. And there was no one really doing it outside of Southern California. So oh, okay. being the first to market in Chicago and kind of like creating our own niche for the space. Um, that's kind of how that all came to be. Got it. And then were you, so I guess like, you know, you have the concept, mm-hmm. what we always try to break down on here is like that zero to one. So obviously a yeah. lot had to have happened between yeah. you realizing <laughs> that no one's doing it in Chicago to actually having a physical product in Chicago. Yeah. Um, could you maybe walk us through just like, do you remember the like first conversation either with your co-founder or with like friends and family where you were like, Hey, is this a good idea? Like, do you remember some yeah. of those beginning conversations where you were kind of like figuring it out, whether the concept was worth going for? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, you know, for me, I've always worn a million hats. Like I'm a curious person and I'm like, Oh, I'm starting a blog. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And so when I first, I remember started talking about it, you know, so many people are just like, that's cool, Bridget, add it to like your projects, you know, and it's like, you you know, you do that for so long and you get, and I think I just, you know, I have thick skin, I have three brothers. So I really didn't, I didn't let anyone's like, you know, opinion of like, cool, like go back to your day job, you know, type thing, get in the way. Um, but I, I just felt it in my soul. Like I felt like things were aligning and I, um, designed a can with, um, a former colleague and we put together a pitch presentation, um, for a couple big key chain accounts just to like show them what we could do, even though we didn't even have a product yet. We just had, so you went to retailers before even having a physical product. Yeah. Cause we wanted to like test and see like, if it would be something people would be interested in. And, you know, we oh, got wow. some emails back from some key chains being like, we love this. We love the can. We love the design. You know, how do we order it? Then I was like, okay, we're on to something. Like now we got to figure out how to do it. Um, so we spent about <laughs> nine months, um, myself, Claire, a sour beer brewer, microbiologist, um, a couple other consultants for about nine months working on the recipe and development. And you know, my background is in branding and marketing. So I had no concept of making an alcohol, but, um, you know, I think if there's one thing I'm good at is like connecting people and finding people. And I just was relentless in finding the right people to help bring the product to life. Got it. Yeah. I mean, that makes (laughs) sense. So you, I got to back up because that was, that's kind of interesting. So you pitch retailers, get good feedback. Did you end up getting product to them? quickly? No, or no, no. So it was, um, so, you know, Claire and I were working on the product for a long time, um, okay. in her kitchen. So we would really just like go back and forth on flavor development. We wanted to change the, you know, a lot of, uh, hard kombuchas out there had black tea and green tea. So we knew we wanted to do a different tea. We wanted to do yerba mate tea. So we did a yerba mate tea and we were just brewing it in the beginning in her kitchen, playing around with flavors, yeast, things like that. And so we had like these little mini bottles that we would send around, but we, for being totally honest, when we look back on it, we're like, we don't even know if that had alcohol in it in the beginning. Oh, we really? really didn't know what we were doing. We just were like, it tastes good. I think it has alcohol, but, um, you know, but the can was the main thing. And I would just stock LinkedIn and try to find any email I could find and pitch it to whoever. And then as we got little bites, we could then go back and as we raise money of like, you know, we already have all these chains ready to go to order wow. it. It's a matter of time of creating it. Got it. Okay. Oh, that's yeah. pretty wild though. I mean, that yeah. to be honest, I would assume most people that listen to this that haven't made something, most people would think the opposite of like, 
let me spend all this time trying to develop something and then yeah. hopefully going to pitch it and make sure it sells. Right. I and mean, that's kind of a, it's totally. kind of do it. You kind of reverse engineered it. Yeah, no, we did. And I think with anything with my background in like branding and marketing was like, you know, a good product obviously is a huge part of it, the quality and, you know, it's got to be there, but a brand, the brand is a huge part of it. And so how is that going to sit on the shelves? There's a thousand hard seltzers. There's a, you know, craft beer, there's rosé, there's like, what is, how is Luna Bay going to be different? And so for me, I really wanted to nail down that and then pique the interest. And then once I had that, I was like, okay, now we can spend this time and money doing all this R and D because R and D on it, you know, wasn't full-time job, like all day, every day, you yeah. know, fermentations, it's a wild live culture. So the science behind it and the, the amount of time we had to work with these scientists and microbiologists, um, paying them and understanding how to really make this high quality product in cans and was a lot. So we needed to make sure we dialed in like the interest for it first before sure. we went really like head deep in, into the product development. Yeah. And that makes, that totally makes sense. Did you, so I mean, you're flying back and forth to Chicago, you have a concept, but you're pitching it. You don't have a physical product. When did you finally like, were you at this point, were you still working full time for someone else? And then when did you jump ship? How did you make that decision? Yeah. So I, I worked on like the designs and the cans and the pitch decks and the marketing materials, like talk it about fake it. So you make it the beginning of our videos, like we were creating content for, we were literally, it felt like that, like one thing, like the fire festival, like we were like, we were like literally creating a demand for something we don't even have. It's a great analogy. Um, yeah. yeah. So we, um, we, the beginning videos of like, if you look back to any of our stuff, we were like putting like juice in it or like regular, like all of oh, those. Oh yeah. I've seen those. Like that's not Linda Bay. Like we didn't even have anything yet. Um, so even some images on the, uh, on the website, but we really built up marketing and branding, um, for it. And then I left my job probably six months in because it was so, you know, full time of the R and D, the pitching investors, talking to chains, distributors. Um, for a long time, we were trying to figure out if we were going to do our own brewing, um, like in our own brewery. So looking yeah. at real estate, seeing what made sense. Um, but living in California was such a key component of it because I could see the trends that happened out here. And when I moved here in 2010, I watched how the craft beer, you know, world blew up, and then. Then when I moved back in 2018, you know, a lot of those breweries were shutting down and a lot of people were contract brewing out of them. And the craft beer industry was, you know, declining in a lot of ways why seltzers and things were taking off. Um, So we were looking for more of like a contract space in Illinois as we kind of saw the trends of some of those breweries, you know, contracting out with since they weren't making as much beer anymore. Sure. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. So that took really, I mean, all day, every day of my life, um, in 2019 and that's in the beginning of 2019 is really when I went full time. Got it. Okay. And at this point, at this point you, uh, so you guys start making product, I'm assuming at that point. And then you, um, how did you guys at the very beginning, I mean, did you guys try to self fund it? Did you try to raise capital immediately? Mm -hmm. Like, how'd you guys think through, I always love asking founders yeah. on here, like the bootstrap versus raising money and how you guys thought through that stuff too. Yeah. So, I mean, you never can have enough, I suppose, in the beginning, there's always things that come up. Um, but I mean, all of that's why I think, you know, I, we could do, I could do this full time in the beginning. And um, because I wore so many different hats from like, marketing to finance to raising money. But, um, my dad is an investor. And so he helped 
kind of connect me to different angels in his network. Um, and then through that in Chicago, such a great community of people yeah. and, you know, everyone's kind of connected in word of mouth for things. So we had a great um, uh, concept. I built out a business plan and, you know, a deck and kind of in what the long-term vision would be. And at the same time, um, as we were trying to find our own brewery, um, Pilot Project Brewery, which is like an incubator brewery in Chicago. Was yeah, okay. yeah. And so that is kind of how we got connected with them. And then we, we figured out how much we needed to raise to get going to brew just to start with them. Oh, okay. Um, got it. Yeah. And it was originally supposed to be around like April. So I left my job in January and then like, it was supposed to be an April um, timing for launch and, you know, Chicago licensing and all of that sure. kind of stuff kind of pushed <laughs> back into the summer. So, okay. um, but there was plenty to do from work to sales, to distributor conversations before that. So, right. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's pretty sweet. I mean, it's, it's always amazing to me, just the um, amount of people who are intertwined in Chicago. Like I'm, I'm from totally. Indiana, but moving here and being a part of RX, there's just, it's amazing. You realize how like how small the food industry is in Chicago. Like yeah, everyone somehow kind of knows each other if you get involved. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and like are so willing to help out and yes. connect you. Like maybe I'm not the right investor, but like this person could be, or like, I know that person. So I know yeah. I always tell people it's been funny getting to know so many founders um, that it seems like a lot of industries, it's not that way. The food and yeah. beverage industry seems like everyone's willing to help each other and realizes that more than one brand can win, which is, I, th I think is pretty cool. Oh, totally. Yeah, it, it was. And they were helpful even in figuring out how much we needed to raise in the beginning too. just, you know, once we figured out we were going to pilot project, what that business model looked like, like we realized what investors yeah. were a part, good a part to be a part of it. And then how much we needed to raise from there. And did you think raising capital at the beginning, was that something you, you guys wanted to do to get like expertise into the fold for Luna Bay? Or was it purely just like a cash thing. And like, we were like, it's going to be way too expensive to try to like fund it ourselves. It's always oh. interesting to know because I think beverages is something that most people don't know, like how expensive it can be. Oh yeah. I mean, there was no way, I mean, there was like no way we could have done it on our own without raising money because yeah, yeah I'll say like, it's not like, you know, we can just do packaging at home or anything like that. I mean, between the TTB licensing alone, um, cans, I mean, cans are like a hundred grand for just like one PO for yeah. a month worth right. of stuff like so I mean it's it's wild how expensive like manufacturing especially with cans and shipping and cold shipping another thing is our product obviously needs to be cold so shipping product places is even more expensive for that um and sure. the and like something that Claire and I really aligned on in the beginning was um you know we had tested so many different hard kombuchas out there and you know for us you know we've seen and Claire worked in like you know agriculture she's been working in um you know farmers markets forever and she's like you know it's not always necessarily about organic but non-gmo is like extremely important sometimes oh. you can get much better produce and things like that non-gmo um, but it's more expensive. So huh, for us, okay. you know, we were like, this is a non-negotiable and like the quality of our product is making sure it's non-GMO, it's vegan, it's low sugar. We're using real ingredients and not powders. A lot of people use powders and things like that. So, um, you know, that pricing from the beginning, we knew what we were, what we were going to make was going to be very expensive. Yeah, that makes, I was actually, it was one of my questions. Cause, um, I mean, obviously whole foods is expensive anyway, but when I went and picked some up, I guess I had, it's funny and maybe it's just because, you know, I've spent so much time now in the protein bar aisle yeah. and like nut butters and the things that we sell. Uh, and you start to realize that like a lot of the stuff growing up you bought that was cheaper, like how much shit was in it. 
And yeah. then now you now like now I understand that with like protein bars or with nut butters. Um, but then going to the alcohol section, I feel like that's one that I've just like had never thought of that yeah. like you know, you buy a case of like Coors Light or whatever and it's right. 12, 15 bucks for 12 cans. Um, and then I was looking at like, you know, Luna Bay and some of these other brands, you're like, oh, it's gotta be the same thing. Like the the ingredient makeup is just, you know, it's full of cheap shit and the cheap yeah. beer. And this is made up of like things that are better for you. So that was like a thing for me. I had never thought of until I looked at you guys' stuff on the shelf. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. And I think that's something that like, we really like the education around hard kombucha. It was like the most important part in the beginning. And we were so lucky in the beginning that we could do samplings all the time. And we could tell people about it because yeah, if you walk in and you see a hard seltzer that is $11 for, you know, 12, 16 cans. And then you see ours for four at like $15. It's like, why would I, but then if you understand like the better for you aspect, and we can't necessarily say like, Oh, it's an alcohol. So you can't say this is healthy for you, but you know, it is, uh, you know, probiotic, it is a live culture. It is, you know, vegan, non-GMO, and there's like real ingredients and we can speak to every single ingredient in that can where a lot of other, you know, companies, you know, there isn't regulations and there's things that you can put in it. So, um, to make it stable. So it's, it's important. And I think it's an important aspect of the education around purchasing at a higher price point. Yeah, I bet. And is, is it hard just in general? Like, I feel like education, I don't know much about this, but is, is like trying to educate consumers in the alcohol industry. Is that even more difficult? Like, I'm sure there's things you can't say, or there's platforms you maybe can't even use. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, there's, there, there's a lot of legalities around what we can promote and like, even like from an adventure post and not having an alcohol in it because you can't like promote doing something outdoors active and right. having that and everything like that. And then, you know, we were just, you know, it's just amazing what we've had to kind of overcome um, with when we launched in new markets last spring, it was basically when COVID was like really at its um, height and the launch in new markets. And we really have never been able to do samplings or, you know, typical with distributors, you can do ride along. So you can like go with the distributor to accounts and check in, but all of those things we're not allowed to do. So even like educating the distributors and the reps and then the accounts, um, how to sell it. You know, if you walk into a lazy acres here, you know, we can't go in anymore. Like, you right. know, the, how is that buyer going to know to be like, oh, we love Luna Bay. We love their, this, this team, you know? So yeah. um, we've had to get very creative with their ways of education. I was going to say, what are some of the ways you guys have combated? I figured COVID yeah. is probably one of the worst for you guys. Cause a lot of brands, I mean, like us, we were able to flex e-commerce when stores mm-hmm. slow down and sampling stopped for, for brands like you, you can't really sell, you can't sell like on Amazon. So what do yeah. you, what, what have been some of the things you guys have done to combat that? Yeah. Well, you know, it is interesting because the laws are so different. That's another thing. The laws are so different in every single state around alcohol right. and like direct to consumer. Luckily, a lot of these, we've really been able to partner with some of these um, direct to consumer type businesses. So um, we've jumped on with like Whole Foods who got, you know, bought out by Amazon. So you can actually, if you have a Whole Foods near you mm-hmm. in one of the markets we're in, you can buy Luna Bay on Amazon through that. Um, and then, yeah. And then Drizzly has been an amazing, um, customer of ours. And then we also just signed on with, um, GoPuff, which is a great, yeah, yeah, GoPuff is really growing. And so, um, other platforms that you can kind of jump in with direct to consumer, um, is great for us, but then also just really like our digital strategy of like, 
you know, um, giving assets to Lazy Acres, Whole Foods, Bristol Farms, like of who we are. And these are, you know, Lazy Acres just did a big promotion around us in January about health and wellness week. And we were the pick of the week. And we kind of like, yeah, we're like targeted ads in certain areas. So it's been getting super creative um, digitally with our accounts, making sure they have assets, making sure distributors do. Um, And then like shelf talkers and fridge clings and random POS that like, I didn't even know what that was POS being like point of sale. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 No, it it is something that's like not known until you're into it. Right. Oh my gosh. Now you can't walk into a place without it. It's like, I walk into a liquor store. I'm like, Oh, that guy has a poster there. And like, they have a thing on the ground. Like we could put, you know, a sticker on the ground, like booch this way. Or so you kind of just brand everywhere you go. So people start seeing it. And then you're like, it's like the Starbucks sign. You're like, Oh yeah, I think I saw that somewhere. Right. Exactly. You know? It's like that brand recognition just from seeing little things. Yeah. Totally. Got so it. yeah, we've come up with like local stickers, female founded, brew with your Vamate, keep this cold, like anything. All the you things do. you can. Yeah, no, yeah. I love that. That's great. Have you guys um have you guys seen an uptick at all since COVID started? I mean, I feel like that was the one thing I wanted to ask you too, is a lot of the brands that either like there seems like there's one of two camps. One is like people have pivoted to e-commerce and seen like extensive growth. Yeah. Some brands like fell behind and didn't jump on the e-com thing quick enough and, yeah. and saw a dip. But then I was thinking about it and I was like, well, you guys are in the alcohol industry, which saw a tremendous year with everyone being stuck at home. Was that actually a, maybe not that COVID's good at all by any yeah. means, but was that a benefit for you guys potentially? Yeah. I mean, we have such a, like a great group of advisors that are part of our team. And when COVID hit, we all kind of just you know, pivoted um, very quickly. We had a bigger team in the beginning and we kind of scaled back on our team. And because a lot of our team was doing samplings and was out at events and things like that. So we changed our sales strategy, which, you know, we really throughout COVID only had like five full-time people on our team and that's finance, sales, marketing, CEO, production, like spread thin to say the least. But um, we got so creative with how to sell over the phone because people couldn't go into stores. We couldn't fly to places. So how to build relationships over that, um, how to over email, things like that. But um, scaling back on the team was like step one and just to maintain that. And then, um, you know, step two is, yeah, like getting into new markets and kombucha sales were going up. People are very uh, probiotic and gut health is, you know, obviously a very huge part of um, just like wellness and taking care of yourself. And then, um, alcohol sales have been going up. So our off-premise business, um, you know, luckily and fortunately, like we've done very well in that space and retail liquor stores and chains, um, obviously on-premise has been taken a hit, which is, you know, restaurants and bars and, um, something that, you know, my heart goes out to all of those, you know, bars and restaurants that are just trying to get by. Um, but, you know, I have seen in the last, you know, few weeks, even in California, things are starting to open up again in Wisconsin and um, Happy Campers, one of our great accounts in oh, Denver. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So um, there's things picking up again, but on-premise definitely like was like basically absolute last year. And so. Got it. Yeah. yeah Wisconsin I mean, is like the wild west. Every time I tell yeah. you I want to go up there during COVID, you would think COVID's not really, really a thing. <laughs> yeah. No, it's been wild. And, and it's even by county. County, it's so different. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like Walworth County is doing really well, but then Madison has been like shut down completely. And Madison is like such a great area for us. I was going to school there sure. and great bars and restaurants. And so um, we're looking into doing more like college, you know, type activations, hopefully in the upcoming, you know, when we can go to football games and things like right. that. Right. Yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Are you guys, um, 
like how does how does distribution work as far as like i mean you said you're, you're in a, a lot of states uh, i was looking today on your website it seems like even like around me here like you guys are in tons of places that i wouldn't even know yeah. you're, you're in is that for i mean most people that have listened to any of the founder series i've had um obviously food's very different for alcohol do you, you have to like do you get to partner with like a, a distributor right there has to be like a third party involved that yeah it actually like handles the distribution. Is that correct? Or like, how do you guys yeah. continue to grow distribution like a food brand would, for example? Yeah, it's so interesting. And, you know, I feel like since starting Luna Bay, it's like the most extreme business school you could ever like yeah, every day. You're like, what is this new thing I have to learn? Um, but, and even distribution is so different by state. I mean, every, you know, there's like really small craft um, distribution. There's like the big guys like Miller Coors and things like that. Um, and then another, to throw another curveball into it is, um, having a cold truck. So obviously our product needs to be, you know, refrigerated and cold trucks wasn't really a norm because a lot of alcohol is shelf stable. Um, and ours is not. So not only finding the right distributor partner that can reach a lot of these chains, but, um, that also has cold trucks and cold, um, warehouses. Oh, right. It's been a whole different thing to, um, you know, manage, but we've really come so far. We have a guy in our team that came um, from Ballast Point and he's wonderful. He's an advisor. Yeah. And he's really helped us understand these distributor relationships, what that looks like. But um, so every state you have a different distributor, you have different contracts, different terms, um, all of that. And then it's really on us to build the relationships with all of our accounts. So we're out there, you know, you know, finding we're in all the binnies now. um, All this. Yeah. Fresh time. That's a big one. Yeah, Garfield's, um, Benny's is a huge win. They've been a great partner for us. Um, but we find the, the accounts and we really are the ones landing the deals. And then the distributors work with us to help execute that, making sure there's no out of stocks, um, you know, replenishing, merchandising, things like that. But you have yeah. to manage different ones in every single state and different, you know, protocols. Right. Okay. That's awesome. I didn't know that's how that worked. Um, yeah. And then obviously, like I mentioned at the beginning and you've mentioned cans is like the main, I would say what I see you guys market the most. Do you guys, I saw, do you guys sell like in other forms too? Do you have like kegs or like mm-hmm. anything at restaurants as well? Or is it just cans? Yeah. So good question. We came out in the beginning with um, 12 ounce four packs for three flavors. So it's Palo Santo blueberry, which was like a smoky wood ginger lemon, which is very approachable for anyone. And then hibiscus lavender, which mm-hmm. is more of like a rosé. So we came out with 12 ounce four packs and then we also were on draft at pilot project. Cause that's where we kind of right. launched and started. Um, and then we were just sticking with that just to get going. And then when we launched in California, we realized 16 ounce singles was such a huge opportunity. Mm. The hard kombucha market here is very saturated. There is tons of brands here. Um, so having a 16 ounce single option, you can grab it and go, you can try one at a time before you commit to the four pack. So we launched, we rolled out 16 ounce singles um, in the spring of last year in California. And then we've launched that now to all of our markets. Then we came out with seasonal flavors. So we've come out with like bourbon apple, huckleberry, yeah, and orange persimmon. And you'll see more of those every quarter of just a new seasonal. Um, And then Luna Bay Light, obviously, which is our new zero sugar one, which is exciting. Um, and then we have come out with a uh, half barrel kegs and oh, six okay. too. So six are the smaller kegs, half barrels are the bigger kegs, but, um, you know, it's been a, the wild west with on-premise, like things open and they shut down all of our markets. So, sure. um, 
I think somewhere like California, if you go into a bar or restaurant, you'll see four to five tap handles of hard kombucha, different brands. It's such a huge category here. Whereas in other markets like New York, where we just launched or Maine, like it's still growing. So it's better for us to have like a 16 ounce can so people can recognize our brand before they buy it. You know? It makes sense. Would you say, yeah. and this is just, again, me not knowing, would you say, like, I, I know when I drink regular beer, I always think draft beer tastes better than cans. Is, would you say it's like, is it similar or is it different with your guys' product? Yeah, I I love draft. I think a draft is so like fresh and I lo- yeah, I think that draft is always my favorite, but, um, you know, I think for us, we make product, I think with some of the bigger ones with like beer and stuff, they make it in such bulk that, you know, could have been a couple months old where we're making it so fresh every single month. And since it's cold, uh, it needs to be cold that we need to sell through exactly what we're producing. So the benefit is that like, you're still getting that fresh kombucha, like no matter what our product is, you know, we sell through it pretty quickly. Um, but we would prefer draft, but it's just hard right now for accounts to commit to half barrels and stuff. Cause for example, we sent out a big half barrel order out to California and then I think in October and then everything shut down in November and then they're sitting on that. Yeah. I was going to say to like go to waste or they like bill you guys back for that. Yeah. So we had to do some bill backs and things like that, where if you just commit to the 16 ounce singles, you know, it's nine to 12 months shelf life. And then you can just like pick that back up when things open up. Right. Right. I hadn't thought about that. That makes it, that's like a new complexity of even even using those these days without knowing what the future is going to look like. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I just think it's so interesting because, you know, of course there's on-premise accounts that are like, we really want to have draft. But I think for us, like if I walk into a bar and I see someone holding like a a yellow drink, it's like, what is that? Could be a cider. It could be seltzer. So to have that like packaging recognition right now for us of like, oh, this is a hard kombucha. And it's like, oh, what is hard kombucha? And then you can kind of explain it. And then I think for right now, it's actually a better thing for us to try to push um, packaging into on-premise over draft until yeah, it's like free marketing, right? I yeah, hadn't thought about marketing. that. Yeah. Oh, that's a good yeah. point. Or if you're like at a party or anything, you see just the packaging that, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, Very exactly. Interesting. Do you, mm-hmm. um, this is going to go way back to the beginning, but I wanted to ask this. Yeah. I, I think it's always interesting. Do, do you, um, you had to like go through so many iterations, I'm sure up, up front oh, to yeah. get to a, to get to a product that's in a can today. Do you remember the very first batch or the very first run you guys did I always feel like it's it's cool to hear Uh, like the very first one that came out and what you guys thought of it yeah no it's so funny like to look back you know you're moving so fast all the time and you're constantly putting out fire drills or new things that happen every day that it's like my dad always reminds me and my mom they're just like take a step back and like take this in this is exciting times of life of what you guys are doing and so Yeah. Those early um, days of like, I think, you know, there's so many times in the beginning that you're like, is this even going to work? Like, is is this ever in you? And like, I don't believe it's like, and then you're trying to convince yourself that you believe in you. So when you see it on the shelf for the first time, you're like, wait, what people are drinking? This This is so cool. Um, But yeah, we were in, um, it was the summer of 2019 at pilot project. And uh, we had our first canning run and it felt like, like a wedding day or something. We were, like, it was Claire and I and Mike, and we were just like, I can't even believe it's in a can, you know? And we like, you know, had the first go and we tried it and made sure the ABV was at, you know, that was a huge aspect, like trying to get the alcohol yeah. to 6%. We're is like, it actually 6%. Well? Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. we're like, that would be interesting. Um, but yeah, it got to 6% and it was 
a great like first canning run and then we saw people buy it i mean i still oh that's cool yeah like you know i was walking on the street on sunday and there was a woman at a bar and it's outside like patio drinking a, a Luna Bay 16 ounce. And I like, you know, just seeing it on the, and I like stopped her. I was like, um, what do you think? And she was eating a pretzel. She's like about my pretzel. I was like, Oh no, sorry. About the, about the Luna Bay. And she's like, Oh, I love this. I just saw the, the packaging and I wanted to try it. I was like, Oh, it's, you know, we, we started, I started that. And, um, that's and really so, cool. Yeah. So it's stuff like that, that you just like, there's little moments that you're like, Oh, that's really cool. Right. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't imagine it. I think that would be such a wild thing. I noticed, um, again, when I saw you guys at whole foods, you guys do like, you stand out on the shelf. Like, I feel like just a lot of beer and I would say just the alcohol brands that it seemed like they all blend together. There's not very many that do a good job of like really looking differentiated on shelf. So you guys definitely pull that off. It looks, it looks great. Thank you. Yeah. Taylor was, um, Taylor's our designer and she is from Chicago and she worked at my last job with me. And so she was really, she knew that I wanted it to be like rooted in Chicago, but it has yeah. like a coastal feel to it. I mean, we went through, I mean, I would pay her in acai bowls and like, you know, whiskey. And I was like, can you just like meet me at this <laughs> place? And, yeah. I'm like, can we work on this? And we went through, I don't know, probably like 20 different iterations of the cans and just came out with this last one. And I just remember the moment we both were like, this is the, this is what we want. You're like, this right. is the can. And like the Luna for the feminine energy, the four stars for the Chicago flag. And just like, it felt clean and the right move. So yeah, it's very thought, well thought out. I was going to say that like the idea behind the name and the, and the cans is uh it's a good culmination of like what you guys are trying to accomplish, which is really cool. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Another one that I have to ask that I think um, it's this one is interesting for a lot of people and for you guys, especially launching a brand, mm -hmm. what you launched in August of 2018, is that 2019, 2019. Okay. Yeah, oh, so, so yeah, yeah, you were not that long before COVID hit. What yeah, I, I would assume your answer could just be COVID, but what would you say, you know, to anyone listening, who's thinking about starting a food or beverage brand, um, what has been like the biggest, if you had to think of one thing in the history of Luna Bay, like what's been the one major hurdle that you guys had to overcome. And if it's something you don't want to share, that's fine yeah. too. But like, is there something you could, that people could take away from this? That's like, this is a, a time you like questioned what you were doing or like something that you thought maybe was insurmountable that you guys figured out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, COVID was a huge, obviously part of that, but um, yeah. And I think like for us, like we couldn't, so with chains, like they do, resets, you know, every few months. And then last year, you know, and that's, you apply, you put in, you know, it's like basically every like Vinny's whole foods or what have you, you apply and you hope to, they say, okay, we want your SKUs. We'll add you to the system, order it. And with COVID last year, basically all chains stopped doing resets. So they right. we had like no way of getting into these sets to sell our product. So I mean that, that hurdle in and of itself, like every single no of like, we don't want to change. Like, and I, and I feel for them because, you know, they are managing these buyers are in the stores working and yeah. in the pandemic and they're scared and they're putting their lives on the line and they have, you know, disgruntled people shopping and everyone's walking around in fear and they don't want to change anything. They're just trying to do their job. So for us to go in try to tell them about a new product, try to get them to change everything that they've done, not be able to do sampling, not be able to try the product um, was just such a, I just kept feeling like every door was like shutting for us. Um, and so, yeah, just trying to get really creative with how we could 
um, navigate the pandemic. And, you know, and also as a young founder of like how to manage a team going through this too, it's like yeah. they, everyone was going through like a fear of like a parent going through something or a grandparent or, you know, just being scared in general. Um, you know, there's so much political turmoil this year and, um, you know, just for all of many different things. And it was hard to see the world be in so much pain and, you know, my team manage it. So obviously my number one priority is the people on my team. So it's like sales at the end of the day is, is great, but this is, you know, they're, they mean the most to me. So um, really making sure that they felt supported and heard and um, could, you know, sell and navigate these really hard conversations to help get us through the doors. Um, And I think, which was really great was we figured out how to get um, accepted into all of these stores. Like they added us into their systems, but we weren't mandated. So then it was on us then yeah. to go in and be like, Hey, you're, we're already in the back end. It's not mandated, but like, can you, can you make it work or just try one skew? Like that was another thing. Like, just, can you try one skew to start maybe two to see how it does? Um, and just get as like creative, be like, we'll, we'll buy it all back in a month if it doesn't, you know, move. Oh, yeah. well, you know, like yeah. we just got, super creative with that. But yeah, I would say last year between, you know, every one of us had different stuff going on. I mean, one of our employees is, you know, locked at home for the year with her two little kids and husband, you know, it's like everyone was going through different things and having different breakdowns each week, um, you know, running a startup during all this. But um, I think it like anything, it doesn't kill you, makes you stronger. And I think we all just have come through this so connected um, and really having, being able to have really hard conversations all the time and being honest with each other. Um, cause you know, vulnerability is such a key part to, I think how we've been successful to where we are now. Got it. Yeah. I know. I keep telling people, I'm like, after all of this, just normal business problems are going to seem like nothing after, no. over, after COVID. Right? Yeah, no. Yeah. And it is like, you know, something one of our advisors says is like, you know, it's like flexing a muscle of like doing something repeatedly. And then it like, it is a muscle, it becomes stronger. And I think yeah. in the past, I was much more of a people pleaser and I just want everyone to be happy. And I, and like, I don't want to have confrontation and it's made me be like, we don't have time for that. Like we have to have hard conversations. We need to talk to each other all the time. We need to be brutally honest. Um, and I think another part of it was this remote lifestyle of all of us being so remote and feeling very disconnected. Um, we like it's zoom, you know, as much as it's, you know, hard, it's so important. Like we moved all of our calls that used to be on the phone to FaceTime. Like we have to see each other. We have to be in constant communication and, you know, especially for a small team or like a startup, I can imagine that being, it was weird going from like a two per 200 person office to everyone being zoom. But I would think like yeah. it was five of us in a small office. And now we're all of a sudden we're, we're all on zoom. How strange that would be. Oh yeah, totally. It's so strange. Yeah. And it just was, it was just really important. Cause I am like such a more like, oh, I'll text you or I'll just email you. And on our rises is like, no, you get on the phone and you get on these FaceTime calls and everyone does them and all of that. So, right. Yeah, no, it's important. It's been kind of a change in the dynamic. It's going to be interesting to see what all of like food and Bev looks Mm -hmm. like afterwards, like whether people are back in offices, whether Mm -hmm. there's some flexibility of just being remote most of the time or some of the time, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. And it was really interesting for us too, because we were thinking about getting a brewery or like an office at one point. Um, We would just meet up at certain places, Lululemon or whatever to meet. And yeah. 
you know, we didn't have anything in place yet. So that was actually a really great benefit for us. Like we really were set up for success in the fact of like working remote and not right. having to be overhead of an office space or a brewery. Like we were really fortunate. Um, you know, I know a lot of breweries suffered with their tap rooms and we didn't have anything like that. So in a lot of ways, we were really um, set up for success in some of those areas, which I feel really thankful for. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's probably a lot of people on the other side of that that have offices and breweries and all that stuff. It's a ton of overhead to carry. So yeah, yeah that's good. Timing's everything sometimes, right? Yeah, as always. Everything. Yeah, always really. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So the last few questions I have are like, I like to ask every single founder that comes on here because I think it's really interesting. People who are all in the similar industries, like how they respond to these ones. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the one that's a fun one, and this can be anything. I always leave with book, but like if there's a podcast or there's something else that like source of knowledge that you would want to use, that's fine too. But really just like, what would be your favorite book that you would recommend the readers check out or listeners? Um, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I love like, uh, like ego is the enemy and like the daily stoic and Ryan any of those. I know it's kind of like, you know, broad there, but I, I mean, I read those like, you know, just even an excerpt, like before I go to bed, like most. Oh, wow. Okay. So, he yeah. launched, he launched a secret book today. Oh, he did? Yeah, he just like came out and posted like, I haven't talked about it, but here's a book I just launched. You can go buy it. Oh Oh my gosh. Yeah, that I love that kind of stuff. And I think for me, I like, I've just, I have, I'm always going on like all time zones and all that. So the end of the night to have like a ritual of something just to like calm my head down. I'm just like, whether it's a chapter or two chapters or anything like that has been, um, yeah, he's been a godsend to me in this year. Yeah, the same. I love that guy. That's awesome. That's a great one. Um, this one, you know, leading a company, being a founder of, of a beverage business, I can imagine there's just things in all directions, always happening, putting out fires and trying to like grow and scale a business. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you use to plan your goals and then like plan your weeks and really like get shit done each day? Is it pen and paper? Do you like apps? Like what are the tools that you put around you to help you like execute? Yeah. A thousand things, but yes, I have my (laughs) notebook all the time. Like, like I have like five notebooks, but, um, I do something like every day that it's part of my ritual. And I'm also traveling so much that I have to like have some consistency, like throughout all of this. So, um, for me in the morning, I always, uh, have like, I set up my day of like timing, time blocking is really important to me. I mean, from the littlest thing from like meditate for five minutes to whatever it is. But, um, I usually like, you know, work out in the morning, you know, always do my meditation. Um, and then I'll write, uh, like three things I'm grateful for three, three ways I want to feel that day, like content and accomplish. So three different ways I'm going to, how I want to feel, um, three personal things I need to know. Cause obviously those are the things that get lost. Um, like go check your mail, like go do this, like things that I just always put off. Cause I put Luna Bay first. Things that Um, always move down the list forever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Go to the DMV. Um, so like three personal things, um, and then three people I'm sending happiness to. And then I write a list of like 10 things I have to do that day. And then like other things that hopefully I'll get to, but, um, it's just a practice. I, I listen to different podcasts and one of the podcasters I listen to, um, she had mentioned it and it's now just become something that it takes, you know, five minutes for me to gather my thoughts, have my coffee and write those things down. And, um, it's, it's really important to me and it makes me think for, you know, I'm always thinking about Luna Bay or thinking about myself and it's like, 
Who am I sending happiness to? What am I grateful for? How do I want to feel? And what do I need to do today? Love that. That's great. That's great. Do you, um, when you do the time blocking and just do that in your calendar, do you just like block off time all day for stuff? Yeah. It's basically like you can't schedule anything within like two to three weeks. Cause I have like every single thing time blocked. Um, yeah. yeah. From like workout to personal to therapy to yeah. like literally every single thing, uh, which is, yeah, it's really important and it keeps me sane. And then I also just kind of write it in my notebook for that day too, of like, okay, this is what I'm doing throughout. Got so. it. Yeah. yeah. I like, I, I've done that before. It's hard. I always try to stick to it and then I'll bounce away from it, but I, I de- tend to do that at least in chugs. I find that to be so helpful. Just like, no, yeah. it's like having an assistant for you almost. you like, yes. it, it, like, it just like tracks your life and tells you where you need to be and what you need to be doing. Yeah. And I can look back then too. If I'm like, what was I doing last Thursday? And I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, this came up and I'll update it. If I don't do what the time block was for the day, I'll update it back to what I did do. So I can like reflect back to if I, oh, need that's a good idea. Period. So you kind of have a, a place to go back and see what happened. Yeah. Like, like I forget things right away. So I'm right, like, right. Do that? and I'm like, oh yeah, I did that last Thursday. <laughs> right. Got it. That's great. Um, the last one and the most important question, um, how can people follow along with you with Luna Bay and how can people get involved and try the product? Awesome. Yeah. Um, so lunabaybooch.com is our website. Um, at Luna Bay Booch is our Instagram handle. We also have at Luna Bay Booch for TikTok, which nice. I don't know anything about TikTok, but that's, that's the one you're going to get on now. Team. Yeah. I like it. I think it's really fun for recipes and things like that. Um, LinkedIn, uh, Luna Bay Booch as well. Um, and LinkedIn is a great way to find out new job opportunities. We're hiring for a couple of different roles right now. Um, any like exciting, you know, articles, uh, that are happening. We just launched in Mariano's last week, which is oh, a really big deal for us. Yes. Yeah. Um, 30 stores and we're the first hard kombucha that they've um, brought on before and they're doing like branded Luna Bay sections. And so, um, wow, congratulations. That's yeah. awesome. Thank you. Yeah. We just launched in target. Um, so there's other things that, yeah, look out for Great updates stuff. on LinkedIn. Yeah. Professionally, um, new flavors and things like that. Um, yeah. So I'd say LinkedIn, Instagram, um, TikTok are all the best ways to find out fun and exciting things. And we have some really cool things coming up in the pipeline for spring. Um, and then March is international women's month. So we're doing a lot of different fun things with like the Chicago community, highlighting other women run brands and businesses. Um, it's pretty rare to find a founded women's team in the alcohol space and exciting to be paving the way for that. Awesome. Very cool. Well, very good. And I'll make sure I link all that stuff to the show notes and share it out. And, uh, We'll get people trying Luna Bay. I would love that. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Well, Bridget, thank you so much for coming on. It was a pleasure getting to talk to you. And uh, you I thank you for your time. Thank you so much, Shane. I hope you have awesome. a great day. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, bye. Thanks.